You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. We are in the midst of a series called The Woke Church, and this is Counterculture Kingdom Truth. I hope you were blessed the last few weeks. Some of these messages that we've had from the teachings to the testimonies, it's been powerful. I've received a lot. I hope you received a lot. Those of you watching online, I hope you received a lot. It's been eye-opening, but also it's been awakening. That's the whole point, right? To awaken the church, Chris. We're awakening people to wake up. We're awakening people to wake up. I don't even know if that makes sense, but that's good. Now, I want to talk to you about this because the word woke can be a little bit like, what are we talking about, Pastor Mark? And I thought it would be important for context. Woke or stay woke started out as a term developed in the black culture as a way to create or cause people in the community to wake up and understand what's really happening in the social and government arenas. But there it became even more prevalent during the 2014 Ferguson, Missouri police shooting of Michael Brown. Many of you remember that. During the protests, this phrase and ideology became more popular than ever. But as with anything created in human construct, we could take things and twist it into a much deeper and more polarizing thing. We're finding people putting all sorts of things in our culture into woke right? Well, listen to me. I want you to hear this. In fact, it may start out as an innocent and constructive idea, but can easily become a division between many people wanting the same outcome. And in this case, early on, it was equality. So why am I addressing this? Number one, because I want you to feel a little bit unsettled. I want you to be awakened. I want you to go, where are we going with this? I don't want you to come in church and have some cheesy title that you know exactly where we're going. It's okay to talk. We're just going to talk, all right? Okay. I'm also addressing this because I want you to think, church. I want you to think, church. Liam, I'm going to need you to shout me down, all right? First service, shout me down. I want you to think apart. Listen to me. I want you to think apart from your media, from Hollywood, from social constructs that indoctrinate you what to believe. I want you to think apart from your culture, your political lean, your preferences, and your history. Why? I want you to think through a biblical worldview. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) This should always take a front seat in the way we interact with society. It should never about be anything other than the word of God. Hear me today. I'm getting ready to step on some toes. You might want to push your toes out of the way because I'm coming for your toes. Ephesians 5. Sounded weird. That was really weird. (laughs) I I, Actually, if you know me, I don't like people's toes. (laughs) Toes should stay in their socks and shoes. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so thankful that we are in a sock slide movement because back then when we wore sandals without socks, I just, I really had a hard time, really. God had to deliver me that. Uh, thank you. I, there's a lot of people amen in me. I don't know why. Many people are like, where are we at? Are we supposed to read the Bible? What's happening here? Ephesians 5. Okay, we're getting there. I'm trying to soften you up. This is, what, this is what Paul said to the church of, of Ephesus. He says, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Let me pause for a moment. It's not to participate, to dance with, to flirt, to watch, to talk about. Paul says expose them. Don't have anything to do with them. Then he goes on, it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. Can we just pause another time and just say the things that used to be shameful are promoted now 
It's unbelievable how quick things are changing. Paul already knew this. That's why he wrote this. He said, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, sleeping church. Wake up. Hit somebody next to you and say, are you awake, church? Look carefully, church, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here's what I want to tell you today. I want to awaken you to something that is a true epidemic, might I even say pandemic, in our culture. It is more dangerous than any virus. It is more talked about in the Bible than murder or adultery. It is more rampant in the church than many know or even address. Our culture celebrates it, and our church tolerates it. I want to talk to you today about offense. The title of my message is called The Offended Nation. We are a nation of offense and it has crept into the church. Turn to somebody next to you again. Say, this is for you. This is the last time you're going to have to do that because after this, it's going to get tense. Give them a hug. Say, put your seatbelt on. I love you now. I'm just going to tell you now. Let's dissect that for a little bit. Let's dissect Ephesians. It says, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness. Isaiah, remember the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, the OG back in the day? You know what he said that still, it feels so prevalent today. He says, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Can we say that seems to be the way we are today? It also says this, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Remember opposite day? Remember like when we were growing up, like today's opposite day, right? That's what the kingdom of darkness is trying to do with our culture. He's trying to lull you, church, to a place where you begin to coddle sin and look at truth like that is, that's aggressive, I mean, does Jesus really mean don't do, like, seriously? Seriously. Seriously. Scripture says expose them. Now, let me say something to you. Paul did not say expose the person, expose the sin. Very different. Because we have a church today that looks to expose people. And I think you heard this a few weeks ago when our, when our friends from the Navarrezes came and spoke about this movement of the LGBTQ plus thing. I'm sorry, I just, I don't know how many letters it is anymore. The reality is, is I make a joke, but this is a people. This is, we're not to expose people. We're exposing the lie behind what they believe. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry, I didn't write the word. And why would you want to come to a church where the pastor doesn't preach the word? I don't understand why people go to churches where we make up our own doctrine. I'm not even, I'm not even a quarter of the way into it already. And this is what I love. He says, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. We need to be awakened, hear me, to injustice. I don't care what color your skin is. If someone else is being unjustly persecuted or dealt with wrong, you need to rise up and say, no, we need to be awakened to lies and to evil. First of all, we need to know what evil is. But here's the problem. The problem is many times when we get awakened, we get offended. 
because now we know what's wrong and we get offended by this group of people. We get offended by this group of people. Some of you offended by the stuff they're putting on TV. Some of you offended by what they're putting in your school. Some do, whatever it is. But we have to walk in a place where we don't get offended. I want to give you an example in history of in a moment, a, a, a person that created movements. I want you to hear this. There was a great German reformer. He started the great reformation named Martin Luther. Anybody know who Martin Luther is? He nailed 95 theses to the door of the church, revolutionized what we do today. We as Southview are beneficiaries of this revelation that he got. Let me give you a little example. It, the church originally was centered around this Pope and the Pope heard from the Lord and everybody listened to what the Pope had to say. But, but Martin Luther said, no, no, no. There's something about grace. It seems like it's not about buying indulgences. It's about walking in grace and that everybody, hear me, everybody can hear from the Lord. You can get revelation from the word. Come on now. Any amens in that place? This was revolutionary. And so he wrote books and he performed and he ministered sermons. As he got older in his years though, his study of the Bible and the interaction of the Jewish people towards Jesus led him to write some very polarizing opinions about the Jewish people. Luther wrote negatively about the Jews throughout his career. Though Luther rarely encountered Jews during his life, his attitude reflected a theological and cultural tradition which saw the Jews as a rejected people guilty of the murder of Christ. And he lived in a locality which had expelled Jews some 90 years earlier. He considered the Jews blasphemers and liars because they rejected the divinity of Jesus. In 1523, Martin Luther advised kindness towards the Jews. He said, look, I'm going to give one more chance. He, he also aimed to convert them to Christianity. When, listen to me, when his efforts at conversion failed, he grew increasingly bitter and offended towards the Jewish people. Now, this is just the beginning. Now, this is where two lives go in two different directions. Why is this important? There was a man named Michael King who was so influenced by Martin Luther upon his return from a Baptist convention held in Berlin in 1930. He was so influenced by Martin Luther's writings that he changed his name and ultimately his son's name to Martin Luther King and Martin Luther King Jr. As we know, MLK Jr. became the most well-known civil rights activist of American history. Martin Luther's writings, in contrary, were celebrated within Germany, and his opinions, especially later in life, became very popular in the 1930s and 40s. This also became one of the driving forces behind Adolf Hitler and the Nazi movement. This spurred one of the greatest global genocides against the Jewish people known as the Holocaust. One man... One offense, two different historical figures in two different directions. Martin Luther's lingering offense towards the Jews built into something much bigger. Let me say to you today, offense is a big deal. In fact, I want you to hear this. Offense is driven off of false and failed expectation. Some of you, have expected someone to live up to a standard they didn't even know they had to live up to. They failed you because we're human and you've been offended by them. 
In fact, let me even put it this way. Many of us, we hold the world in higher regard than we do the church. Why is that? Well, because the world, we have such low standards for them. Right? I mean, some of you, you go to a restaurant, right? And you get good service at a restaurant. I mean, it's, it's okay service, but you're like, that was great. I'm coming back. I'm blown away by their service, right? It's this, it's here, but you're still like excited because you got fries from Wendy's and they were hot, right? Like that's, you know what I mean? Right? Like, I'm being honest with you. You had low expectations. But how many know when we come to the church, we see the pastor, we have super high, unobtainable expectations for people in ministry. And so there's no way that I or others can live up to this. So the moment that we hit this, even though the, the fries are down here, we can't possibly live up to it. You are now, what? Let down by the church. So here's the deal. The two top groups of people that let you down and offend you the most are pastors and parents. Because it's always the person closest to you. It's always the person you expected more from. I know this is going to start squirming. Some of you, you're already looking at your watch. We got plenty of time, trust me. Ooh, at least three hours. We'll go sit on this. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. Jesus told us this was going to happen. This is not a surprise. If we would read our word, church, we wouldn't be surprised. We're so surprised at Disney and HBO and all these things. And Jesus was prophesying this. The Isaiahs, they were prophesying this in the word. Look what it says in Matthew 24. Let me, let me just set, I'll set some context. You don't have to go there. I'm going to go there for you. Matthew 24, his disciples will come to him and say, listen, how do we know that the end times are near? Jesus said, good question. I'm going to tell you some things that are going to happen. He said, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be famine and earthquake, but, 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 but. That's just birthing pains. That's not the end. Oh, then you're going to get persecuted and tribulation's going to come. Then he says this in verse 10 of chapter 24. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness, this will increase. And the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Wow, Jesus, thank you for that prophetic word from the Lord. And I'm encouraged. No, he was telling you this is coming. But he gives you hope. The one who endures. How many know that you can't endure without Christ? You're not going to. You're going to be let down. In fact, let me say this. Many will be offended. It says many will fall away. But really what we're talking about, you're going to be offended, you're going to be betrayed, and you're going to be hated. I don't know why we don't give that little tidbit when we lead people to Jesus. Who wants to be offended, betrayed, and led astray? Come on up here and receive Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where is everybody? Why is no one coming forward? The reality is, is we don't come to Jesus because of this. We come because he's good. Because there is no other life apart from him. But how many know that when you walk in truth, darkness is always coming after you. So we shouldn't be surprised. It says many false prophets will deceive them. How will they deceive them? They're going to deceive you off of offense. There are so many movements right now in the world. So many that are built off of offense. And I'm telling you right now, I would not be involved in any movement if it didn't have Jesus in it. The reason why we still celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. is because this man celebrated Jesus. He was willing to die for equality and he always promoted forgiveness above anything else. That is a man that I will follow. Anytime we try to do something apart from Christ, it's going to get messy. It's going to get twisted. It's going to get wrong. And the world's going to promote it.
says lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Not submitted to the authority of God. And the love of many will grow cold. You know what that love is? That's agape love. That's the love of God. Do you ever see a nation, a people group, a time in history where people could care less about God? They could care less about his love? Well, you'll say to me, Pastor Mark, I know Jesus said that, but that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> I'm a good Christian. I got this on lock. You know how long I've been in church? I could see false prophets. Well, let me give you an example. Because it says many will be led astray. I, I used to, any fishermen, any people that fish in here, raise your hand if you're a fisherman. I used to fish back in the day. It's been a hot minute. But when I fish, you put a little piece of bread and throw your line into the little pond and pull out a sunny. Anybody remember sunnies, you know? Remember sunny? Like you can't eat them. And they're really nothing. You just kind of take them off, throw them back. I, it was so easy. And there's nothing to it. But what I realize is, some of you laughing right now. What I realize is, is that if you want to catch big fish, you got to use a better lure. Now this, my friends, if you could see it, that's a real lure right there, right? Now, now I want to read, I want to read a little bit about this lure here. I want you to see this. I, I got the, 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 the paper that came with it, Dan. It says that it has lifelike swimming action. <laughs> it has a holographic wild eye. Not a normal eye, it's wild. It's holographic. That's, I'm just reading off of here. It has a holographic swimming flash foil. Woo! I don't know if you can see that, but it's inside there. Some of you are going, can I have one of them? Okay, look what else it says. It's a realistic body shape, natural color patterns. Chris, this is what's going on here. A soft body with an internal jig head. It's getting jiggy with it. That's what I believe it's saying there. What you don't see, probably back there, is there's a hook on the top and there's a three-prong hook on the bottom. And so what I'm saying to you today is offense is like this fish. See, if you're a smart fish, like somebody drops a piece of bread in front of you, like you're like, what, how did this wonder bread get in the sea here? <laughs> like, like I'm like, fish ain't, I mean, after a while, the dumb ones get it. The smart ones go, are you kidding me? Why are you kidding me the floating bread? But the ones that really get hooked, the big ones, the ones you want to eat, you got to go to the next level to deceive them. And so this is why I want you to remember this because many of us in the church today say, well, I'll never be offended. Well, guess what? The enemy's got a better lure. He'll figure out how to entice you. He'll get some holographic eyes on that thing. <laughs> he will swim. Yes, I'm, I'm telling you, Eric, he's going to go. And you're going to be like, whatever that is that attracts you. Come on now. Listen to me. Listen to me. Whatever it is you're believing for from the Lord, the enemy has a false thing. Come on, I'm believing for a woman. I'm believing for a man. I'm believing for a spouse. I'm believing, guess what? The enemy has a fake one out there, right? Roll up in the club, believing God's going to bless you. No, 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 roll up in the church. Can I get an amen, wife? Met you in the church. This is how he gets you. Instead of swimming away from the fish, this is what the church is doing. We're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to that next movie coming out that we know isn't godly, but we're going to go see it. We're looking forward to that movement that we want to be part of, but something seems off, but we, I mean, it seems right. They want equality. They want, I mean, all of these things that we feel like it sounds, this is what Paul said. It sounds like godliness. It looks good, but it's far from good. So, I want you to write this down. Why we celebrate offense. I'm going to give you five reasons why we celebrate offense. You say, Pastor Margot, nobody celebrates offense. We know. Jesus told us not to do it. Well, then let me put it this way. When you celebrate something, you pay attention to it. You focus on it. 
You talk about it. You base your life around it. See, celebration may not look like a party, but it does look like a priority. And for many of us in this room, including myself, there's things that we celebrate that are really offenses in our life. So number one, why we celebrate offenses is because we've genuinely, officially been offended. Offense is real. Some of you in here could write a book on it. You've been offended. In fact, it seems like offense makes great testimonies. So you've been offended so many times, you got a ton of testimonies to share with Jesus. But here's the deal. Offenses will come. John 16, this is Jesus himself. He says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. That sounds good. In the world you will have tribulation. Hold on, Jesus. But take heart, I've overcome the world. That, my friends, is a compliment sandwich. You start out with a good thing, put a little tough thing in the middle, you put, end it with a good thing. <laughs> you will have peace. I've overcome the world, but you will have troubles. They're coming. And if we as a Christian think that they're not, we don't know the word. See, offense will come, and it's going to hit you. Mark, Luke 17, I want you to see this. Luke 17, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, temptations are sure to come. The word temptation in some of your translations says offense. Offense will come. The actual word is the Greek word scandalon. It's where we get the word scandalous from. And you know what a scandalon is? I'll show you what it is. It is actually the trigger of the trap. This, my friends, is a mousetrap. Now, I'm sorry if I offended any mouse lovers, but if you come up in my house, you're going to be dead, right? Like, I'm not, we're not going to partner with the mouse. We're not going to drive him away to under location so he can tell his other buddies, come on back, man. You know what I mean? No, no, no. You come in my house, my wife and kids are going to be screaming, you're going down. So I set the trap. Now, the scandalon, okay, this is what he's talking about, temptations, offenses. The scandalon is this piece right here. Some of you are familiar with the trap. I'm not setting it because with my luck, I'll smash my finger. <laughs> but you pull this back. I'm not going to do it. And you set this trap. And on the scandalon, you put a little piece of peanut butter on there. Ooh. That fit. Yeah. <laughs> that fit. Oh, that mouse goes, I can't wait. <laughs> And it licks, and as soon as he, <laughs> this is not a used trap, by the way. Some of you are like, that dude, that analogy is in my head. This is a new trap. He, he, he licks the, he eats that thing, and that thing triggers this, and it goes, pow, pam. This is what Jesus is saying. Temptations, offenses are coming, and you can see now, your offense, that temptation is actually the scandal on of a trap to break your neck. He says, but woe to the one whom they come. Oh, there's a whole lot in here. We're going to keep going. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast in the sea. Now, if you're from New Jersey, that's called cement shoes. The mafia puts them in there and you go in the Hudson Bay. We're done. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. They don't do that. That's not, that never happened. I've never been part of any of that. I really haven't. I really haven't. I'm not trying to justify myself. Just because I'm Italian. You thought from New Jersey. I was in the mob. I'm not. I, where am I going with it? Look what it says. It's better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown in the sea than he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Can we pause for a moment? What is the attack right now against in our nation? It's against the children. 
Come on now. Jesus talked about it. They are coming after the kids. And it says here, pay attention to yourself. Turn to somebody. I told you you wouldn't, but you're going to do it. Turn to somebody and say, pay attention to yourself. Jesus said that. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, oh boy, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. We are an offended nation and we have now become an offended church. See, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to probably offend some of you in this room. That's okay. We're all friends together today. But I've been in church now. We've been doing this church for 13 years and I've heard all sorts of things. And the one thing I hear all the time is, Pastor Mark, it's my season to move on, you know. We've been here for a while. We just feel like the Lord's calling us somewhere else. And listen, I'm going to just tell you right now, I've, I've heard those things. I heard from the Lord. We heard a word from the Lord, a vision from God. But, you know, Moses and Abraham came and showed me. And, 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 I, and it sounds good. And you know what? Let me just say this. As pastors, we really don't have any recourse but to say, okay, like what are we supposed to say? You didn't hear from the Lord? But can I just say in all my experiences, that majority of the time people say that, it's not because they hurt from the Lord, but because they're offended. There are people, let me just say this, sometimes you're in the wrong church or God places you there for a season and God wants to move you somewhere else. I'm not saying that can't happen, but I'm just saying I've seen it enough. How do I know? Because then that person goes to another church and then he goes to another church and then they go to another church, and then they go to, and is Jesus schizophrenic? Did he miss something? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, if you say, if you put Jesus behind your quote, you better make sure Jesus said that. And the reason why I say that is because Jesus will not be schizophrenic. He will not tell you something and then go, ah, psych, I was kidding. I didn't mean for you to leave the church. No, you're offended and you're leaving. Can we be real talk right now? Is this okay? I don't care. Look, here's the deal. I've been in church and I've been on the other end. I remember years ago, there were certain people in our church, they were, they, were, they were leading in departments. And I remember telling Leanne, I don't know if you know this, I didn't tell you about this yet, but I used to tell, tell her, they'll never leave. They'll never leave. They're with me to the end, ride or die. They were going to do this. And I remember seeing one particular couple just watching the transition in church. Now, just so you know, as you begin to transition, we can see something's not right, right? So finally, I get that call. Hey, can we meet with you and Leanne at the house? Now, you think it's crazy when you have to go to a pastor's house. Think about when somebody calls the pastor over their house. This ain't good. So I knew what we were walking into. We went over there, and I remember they began to tell us, you know, we just feel like the Lord is moving us on. And I said, okay, well, that's interesting. And now, I'm seasoned enough to know and ask the right questions. I'll start asking questions. Next thing I know, well, you know, the church is changing. Oh, really? Yeah, they're trying to get younger, and we don't really like the worship anymore. And I was like, oh, do tell. So they kept going, and I realized they weren't leaving because the Lord told them. They were leaving because they were offended. Now, here's the interesting turn of events. When I went in the car, guess what? I was offended. I can't believe they would leave. I can't believe all the hard work I'm doing. They're blaming me. First of all, they said the church is getting younger. Did they not see the 70-year-old man playing saxophone up there? What the heck is going on? 77. Okay, that was back in the day, seven years ago. I was like, I start, I start justifying myself. Did they not know what's going on? Well, who needs them anyway? Uh-oh, Pastor Mark's offended. See, what I'm saying to you is as many times we have offense that has been given to us from some other offended person. You will have an opportunity to be offended. And in fact, I'm going to say this to you. Offense is always at your door to greet you. 
You know how offense, he likes to bring a buddy with him. You know what offense's buddy's name is? Accusation. He throws accusation at you, you get offended, you leave. So, number two, why we celebrate offenses, we feel it protects us. From what, Pastor Mark? From accusation. See, if I can, let, let me give you a line that people use. This is how you know. I'll never let this happen again. As long as I have breath in my lungs, I'll never let this happen to my family again. Clear sign of offense. Why? Because you've now said, Lord, I don't trust you. I'm going to take care of this. In fact, I'll say this. Hurt people focus on themselves. Whew. Maybe we should take a break for a few minutes, come back and reconvene. See, here's the deal. When we are offended, we want to protect ourselves. I'm not going to let this happen again. So what do we do? We build walls up. And we build walls up, and now we, we operate in self-preservation mode. I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm not going to let people come near me. I'm not going to get in relationships with anybody. I'm not going to go to church and serve because last time I served, I got offended. They hurt me. They didn't utilize my gifts the way I thought. Or maybe you go to work and you work hard. No one saw my hard work, so I'm never going to work hard again. You make these declarations in your heart out of offense. And this is what Jesus, actually, this is not what Jesus said. Well, he said it through Solomon, but Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. That's why when people are offended, they do crazy things. And you're going, why do you keep doing this? Do you love pain? What is going on? And they don't realize that they've rejected sound judgment. We feel we're protecting ourselves, but what we're really doing is hurting ourselves, which leads me to number three. The reason why we celebrate Offense is because we believe it's a sign of strength. It's actually a false driver called motivation. I'll give you some examples. Here's, here's the perfect one that people say all the time. I'll show them. I'll show them. Ooh, you don't fire me. I'm going to start my own business and put you out of business. Uh-uh. You ain't going to get me. I'll show them. That's an offended heart right there. That's an offended, living your life to prove someone wrong. That will never end well. Some of you are so tired, worn out, trying to prove someone wrong. And here's the deal. Offenses drive our culture. If you don't believe me, look, I'm telling you, our nation is driven. It celebrates offense. Let me give you some examples. Athletes, huge group of people that celebrate offense. I'll give you a perfect example, the GOAT. Just want to hear who you think the goat is. Tom Brady. Derek, I'll give you that one. Tom Brady, the goat. Some of you are like, oh boy. Not this year, folks. The goat flies like an eagle. Thank you. That's my daughter back there. Tom Brady. Derek, you know this because you drafted him. Well, not you particularly, but your team. Tom Brady, the goat, greatest of all times, no doubt. I'm, I'm with you. Drafted in the sixth round. If those of you don't know football, that means there were five other rounds. <laughs> then he got drafted. That means, <laughs> I don't want to do the math. All of these teams missed Tom Brady. Do you know that Tom Brady, all throughout his career, he talks about that. You missed me in the 20, 2000 draft, sixth round. I'm going to prove myself. He's been driven by that offense. Oh, let's keep going. Business people. 
Ever hear of a guy named Mark Zuckerberg? Have you ever watched The Social Network? Have you ever been on Facebook? Anything like that? That dude was driven, driven, hurting people, backstabbing. You can watch the movie. Backstabbing people, whatever it takes to be the best in the business. Businessmen, businesswomen can be driven by it. I'm going to outsell you. I'm going to outprove you. You fire me. And that's offense. Then it goes into government. Oh, boy. How do I need to? How long time do we have here for this one? Because our sides are constantly fighting with one another. I'm offended by this, and I'm offended by this. And let me just say to you, when we vote, we vote with the people that have the same offenses as us. Thank you, sweetie. Church folks are offended too. In fact, Proverbs 18, 19, again, wise guys saying this. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. And quarreling is like the bars of a castle. There it is. There's the strength. When you are offended, you are like a locked down prison. You are like a city that has a has a wall around it and you have all your army at the gate and nobody's getting in. See, what you're doing is you're causing yourself to feel like you're strong when really what you're doing is you're being manipulated by your offense. And the reality is you can either be an Adolf Hitler, come on now, or a Martin Luther King Jr. What a dichotomy. What a difference. What is the difference between the two? It's how they handled the offense. One man led towards equality. One man led towards one of the world's worst genocides. Wow. Off of what? One man's offense. See, offense breeds more offense. Number four, why we celebrate offense is we don't have to humble ourselves. Because offense feels strong, but here's the deal, humility feels weak. You know, if, if I really, you know, apologize and forgive Dan, then I've, I mean, in some ways, Pastor Mark, I've, I've kind of let Dan feel like it's okay to do this again. That's what the enemy tells us. You're weak if you forgive him because you've definitely been hurt by your dad. You've been hurt by that coworker. Your wife has hurt your husband, whatever it is. But the reality is, is Jesus constantly talks about lowliness, coming low, coming under to serve. And what do we do as a culture? We talk about pride. Oh man, pride everywhere. I'm proud of this. I'm proud of this. And guess what God's word says? It says pride comes before the fall. So if Jesus was here, he'd be serving you. We'd be like, Jesus, don't do that. I mean, scripture talks about it. His disciples said, no, no, don't wash my feet. He goes, no, no, I'm gonna have to do this. In fact, I have so many scriptures, I'm gonna give you three because we don't have enough time. Proverbs 17, nine. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. You gotta cover an offense. It doesn't feel right, Pastor Mark. I gotta cover it up. Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger and it's his glory to overlook an offense. It's my glory. I get to, I got to overlook it. Matthew 5, 44, this is Jesus. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for them who persecute you. Jesus didn't talk a whole lot about praying for your family. <laughs> he, he was always talking about praying for, we should be, when we pray, we should be praying for all the people that did us wrong. We're praying for our mom. or And I'm saying that's not good, but can you imagine if we had a list of people that hurt us every day we get together with Jesus? Well, Jesus, let me talk about my fifth grade teacher. I'm going to start here. Talk about my uncle. I'm talking about, yeah, okay, you're just praying for people that did you wrong. That's what Jesus said to do. 
And so that leads me to number five. Why we celebrate offense is because we love pain and disobedience. Simple as that. <laughs> Pastor Mark, I don't love pain and disobedience. No, but here's the deal. If God's word says to release them, if God's word says to not hold on to offense, then when we hold on to offense, we are complete disobedience to the kingdom when we continue to hold on to it and operate in it. So today my goal was to illuminate this area that I believe has crept into the church. That's why I said we're the, we're the offended nation, but the, the, the real awakening to it is that we are an offended church. You know, as I was preparing it this week, I, I was like, Lord, this is a big deal to me. I told my wife many times, I said, I hate this week. I really do. All my prep for this, I hate it. This is the first time where I'm really like, wow, like, this is me. Like, like being in ministry, I'm offended sometimes. Like, you're offended. It, we're offended, and we don't talk about it because unless you're killing somebody or adulterating and all these things, <laughs> you got that. that. That's what we focus on, right? Like, all that stuff. And meanwhile, we're offended over here, and we're celebrating it. We, we start new churches over offense. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Let me give you an example. Abby, I'm going to use you for example. Here's the deal. You come into the Lord and saying, God, I have an issue with this, and you have offense, and the Lord's saying, Abby, while you're there, let me unroll this scroll of all the things you've done wrong against me. How many of us would be like, Lord, I'm sorry. We, all of a sudden, the reason why we, we hold on to offense is because we forget how much God has forgiven us. If we really reminded ourselves that, God, you forgave me here. You forgave. We would not hold judgment against people very often because we would be constant reminder that, therefore, God go high. If it wasn't for God, I'd be that person. And we would be loving people and forgiving people and praying for people because we realize what God has done for us. Offense holds us back. Offense holds us back. I want to show you something. Pastor Josh, would you come up here? I want you to stand right here, if you would. Is Pastor Eddie in here? I want to bring him up. Is he here? Bring him in. Pastor Edwin, if you're here, come on up here. Dan, I'm going to use you as well. I'm going to put you right here, if you would. Pastor Edwin's going to come in in a moment. But before he does, here's what I want to do. I want to explain something here today, because this is Pastor Josh. Did you know it's his birthday? What's your Venmo account if they want to send you money? <laughs> pastor Josh is a pastor. Pastor Edwin, come on over on this side if you would. Dan, come on over in the middle here. Dan, you are a faithful, serving churchgoer. I think that's already, isn't that, that's what he is, right? I mean, Dan, Dan is faithful. He leads our young adults with his wife. They're in security. This guy, yeah, there you go. He got fans, right? Dan works hard. Now, Dan comes into church one day, and Josh, and there's doing something. All of a sudden, Josh says something that just seems a little off. It seems a little cutting. He just says something, and, and, and Dan goes, wow, that, that doesn't sound like Josh. And, and you, you get offended. And Leanne, would you give me one of those kettlebells right there, please? Bring one up there if you can. And uh, Leanne's going to play the part of the devil. <laughs> Leanne is Satan right now. She puts an offense in Dan's heart. I did not work this ahead of time. <laughs> Wow. Uh, Dan, you are offended. Now, here's the deal. Dan, we'll do a couple curls because I know Dan's strong. Dan, Dan, Dan's, yeah, he, Dan, this is, Dan ain't nothing but a chicken wing for him. Now, the reality is Dan is carrying an offense 
But here's the deal. Dan is strong enough to not let it hurt him. It doesn't bother him as much, but he's carrying it, right? So you're walking around. Just walk around a little bit in life. This is life. He's just walking around. Don't talk to No, he's not in the... He, that's later on. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. So, okay. So, Dan, all of a sudden, because you're carrying this offense, you don't even know it. You just get used to it. Okay, one day, Pastor Josh is up speaking a message. He's on fire. He says something, and when he says it, it feels like he's talking directly about you. I know it. He talked about me. He put me in his message, and all of a sudden, the enemy comes back with another offense. And now, come on, enemy. You're a beautiful enemy. Woo. Woo. Yeah. Dan is carrying a fence. Now, again, Dan, do double curls. Do it. Look at that. It's not, and, and nothing. Ain't nothing. Dan doesn't realize, but now a fence has become part of his life. So Dan does the typical thing. I had enough. Goes to Pastor Josh, says, listen, I feel like the Lord is calling me. It's a new season. I'm going somewhere else. So come on over here. Enter in Pastor Edwin. Pastor Edwin started a church down the road, brand new church. You're like, listen, this is going to be good because this guy, he could utilize my talents. Woo, you even come in leading with this. Do you know what I did in my last church? Right, right? And, and so, and Pastor Edwin, he's desperate for help. He just started the church, meeting in a school, needs help. He's like, man, I, wanna, I want you to help me. But here's the problem. Pastor Edwin, raise, put your hand out to, to receive him. All of a sudden, it's hard for you to grab a hold of his love because there is a fence in the way. Now, here's the other thing. Put your, go to hug him if you would. Like, and all of a sudden, as you're hugging him, here's the deal. You have an opportunity to hurt him. See, what happens is, is your offense from your past church has allowed you or stopped you from receiving love and also causing you to hurt the pastor that you're going to. You don't even know it, but you're carrying offense. So Dan, here, here's the deal. You're at Pastor Edwin's church. He's preaching a great message on offense. All of a sudden you realize, you know what? I'm offended. I've been carrying this. Come on, my, my arms, I can feel the weight of it. Looks good, bro. So what you do, you do the thing that you know the word says to do. You go back. So you set up a meeting with Pastor Josh, and here's what you do. You say, Pastor Josh, I want you to know, I don't know, six, seven months ago, we were, we were working together, and you said something that like really affected me. I feel like I need to forgive you and let it go. And, and Pastor Josh says, you know what? I think I remember what happened. That week, my uncle passed away. And actually, on top of that, my kids were sick, and they were up every day of the week at night, and we didn't get any sleep. So that day when you heard me talk like that, it wasn't on purpose. I just was have I was burned out. I was going through it. And you realize, oh, my God, I was carrying a fence. Come over here, Satan. Take the fence away from him. Just take the one. Take the one. And, and, and you realize that you realize, I'm going to pay for this later. You realize. You realize you were carrying a fence against him without even knowing. And so now what happens is you begin to let go of the next, come on now, and you have to give it up because now she's the Holy Spirit removing the offense from your life. I got you. What we didn't realize is that offense comes without even knowing it. And it will drive you away from where God has placed you. But isn't it interesting that when we identify what we're carrying, we have an opportunity from the Holy Spirit to let go. Give them a hand if you would. Come on now. <laughs> Hug it out. I want you to see this. I want you to see this on the screen here today. We're at a crossroads right now, today in this place, right now. We can either choose bitterness, brokenness, death. Listen, 
the wages of sin are death, but offense will cause death to relationships, to careers. Some of you, we've been sitting here blaming the Lord why things aren't moving in our life. And God says, it ain't me. It's your offense that's stopping you. Every time I try to open a door, you start telling me, well, God, I'm not going to go through that door. And you start praying and fleecing and all the things when if you would get rid of offense, you could walk freely into the destiny that I've called you for. And here's the deal. We have an opportunity because if we walk right, we can walk in maturity and reconciliation and freedom and breakthrough. This is for you and me. It's all in how we respond. You can be, come on now, I don't want to make this, but this is true. An Adolf Hitler or a Martin Luther King Jr. That's how different your life can be. One last image I want you to see today. Jesus on the cross for no sin that he ever committed. Scripture says he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Nailed to a cross. And the people that tormented him and nailed him to the cross, he looks at them. I don't understand how he could do this. But he sees them and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The awakened church must not be an offended church. This is the difference, listen to me, between a move of God and God moving away from you. It's how you respond. So with every eye closed here today, we've did this in the other service, and I'm telling you, just about every person responded. If you're here today, you believe this message is for you. You're hearing it. You feel the fence. You're, you're seeing people, like all of a sudden these people are popping in my, that's the Holy Spirit. He is so good at wanting to free you that he'll remind you of people you haven't even thought about for 30 years. All of a sudden you're going, I don't know, because the Holy Spirit's like, it's time to get free. If that's you today and you know that God wants to remove a fence in your life, why don't you just put your hand up right now? Come on, don't feel shame. If I was sitting in the row, I'd put my hand up too. In fact, can we do this? Everybody with their hands up, I want you to stand up right now. There's no shame. This is the right place. This is a a healing place. Do not feel shame right now because I'm telling you that offense will stop you and rob you from your destiny. And here's the thing. Today, we're going to get rid of it. This message messed with me so much that I decided I'm going to preach part two next week on how to overcome offense. But the first step is we have to acknowledge it and we have to repent and ask for forgiveness from it. So I'm going to do something I don't do very often. I'm going to have you repeat after me because we're going to do this together. Say, Jesus, I need your help. I release my offense and I ask for forgiveness. Lord, I acknowledge that I'm carrying a weight I shouldn't. And it's disobedient to your word. So today I ask that you would forgive me and I remove the offense give it to you and I ask that you would make me clean just with every eye closed right now I know that there's many of us in this room we have people in our minds names that are popping up I want you you could do it out loud if you want or you could do it in your mind but I want you to begin to forgive each and every person that you hear right now maybe it's your uncle maybe it's your mother maybe it's a, a brother maybe it's a co-worker someone from school whatever it is I want you just to say Lord I forgive Susan right now Lord I forgive my uncle Paul right now Lord I forgive whatever it is I want you to say it I want you to believe it and I want you to mean it because I can't do this for you but I can lead you there today don't let those hurts stop you don't let it lure you in don't let it hook you in 
Today, God, I make room for you. I make room for you today. We make room for you today by forgiving and letting go. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.